I'm Ryan Blaney, and you're listening to Bottled Up on Wiley Radio. Well, it is another fantastic Saturday night here after a show, and we are moving on to this new format of after a show is over, we move over to what will be the podcasting part now that we actually have a podcast. And I hope you all will continue to listen in, subscribe, and all that other stuff on iTunes. And I realize it's very incredibly cliche to say that. However, I'm going to say it because it's working for some people, so maybe it'll work for me. However, for anyone new to this show, we have five episodes currently up already. We've got various interviews, Ray Evernham, Mitch Daniels, Jeb Burton, Jeffrey Earnhardt. You know, we have five of those up so far. There's going to be more coming up. We just finished up an interview with Matt Weaver, fantastic guy to have on the show. And actually a lot of really, really interesting conversation with him. And I met Matt back when I was at the Indianapolis race, the 2018 Indianapolis Brickyard 400, the NASCAR race. It was rained out. I got there Saturday, and the Xfinity race was rained out. So I, was, I slept at a friend's house in the area, and I went back Sunday. And the race was rained out, and the race was moved to Monday. And I ended up missing the Xfinity race because I had classes. Right after my morning classes, I actually ran, 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 ran all the way back to my room, uh, got the stuff I needed, ran to my car, jumped in and drove an hour. It's supposed to be an hour and 15-minute drive down to Indy. I think I made it in 50 minutes because there was nobody on the road. So I just I got down there as quick as I could and you know watched the race, reported on it and everything else. But the the one thing I took away from that race was after meeting Matt Weaver was the the courage you really have to have to take certain stands where it's easy to just agree with NASCAR and the decisions they make but it's it's hard to do the right what you believe to be the right thing if you believe it to stand up and argue and say well what if that doesn't work why why do this if it's not working in this case you know what what we specifically talked about was the aero package for next year, taking away about 300 horsepower from the cars and turning every track to Daytona and Talladega, turning it to pack racing. And theoretically, these guys will just be on the throttle all the way around the track. And it's a question of why would they want to do that? I talked to Corey LaJoy up in New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and what he told me was that, that he doesn't want an easy car to drive. He wants to be challenged when he's driving. He's worked hard. He's worked his whole life to get to where he is, driving at the cup level and in the top series in stock racing in the world. Why should he not be challenged? I imagine those guys, when a race is over, they want to get out of their cars, and regardless of where they finished, they say, I, drove, I, want, I bet they want to say, I drove that car as hard as I possibly could have. I earned that finish that I got. I worked hard to get it, and I don't think I could have done any better. That was the best I did. And if they're just flooring it around the track like like what's probably going to happen next year, where would that leave them? Would that push some of the older guys to retirement? Would that make them think, well, if this is where my career is going to be and this is where I'm at now, then you know I've had a great career and that's it? You have to wonder if guys like Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, some of the older guys, they're seeing this influx of younger guys, William Byron, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, these guys coming in, they're young, their sponsors are going to stay with them for multiple years, assuming nothing you know goes wrong, the company doesn't go out of business, and you know the drivers don't do anything to ruin their public image. 
are they going to see that and think, well, maybe it's time, you know, maybe it's time to retire and spend time with my family. Who knows? It's going to be interesting to see how the drivers react because being on the inside, I've seen a lot of negative reactions to this new cut package, the new arrow package. Um, the people who I've talked to who have said, yes, I can comment on it, uh, like saying I, I can relay their opinions on it, um, have all said it doesn't seem like it's going to be as as good as the racing that would come naturally with the cars that we have now. Granted, this may just be fear of change. Everybody wants change, and with it seems with racing, a lot of people want change. And then when they get it, they're sort of up in the air on how they feel about it, or they're very against it. An example being everyone wanted a new car design after the car tomorrow, and we got it, and now it's completely different. People didn't want Ford or Chevrolet dominating, and now Toyota does, and they don't want that. It It's just whatever changes is never quite enough. And I suppose it's the same among all sports, but other sports don't seem to adapt as much as we do. The rules of baseball don't change nearly as much as the rules of NASCAR. Football seems to be, most of the rule changes are geared towards safety, you know, with harsher penalties and consequences for, you know, hits targeting the head or hitting unsuspecting players, things like that. That's where the rules seem to be getting more and more severe. NASCAR is an ever-evolving sport. It's never going, I don't think it's ever going to reach a point where we're fully content with the cars we're racing because something new will always be discovered. Somebody will find something that just works and they may not understand why, but they know that it works and they'll use that to fully take advantage of it. And then everybody else is clamoring to try and find that advantage. When you've got a sport where it's not two teams facing each other, where it's not, you know, one guy against another, it's 40 cars, 40 drivers, and some of them are aligned. Some are, you know, very much against each other. It's it's always going to change because everyone wants to find that one advantage that makes them better. And that leaves 39 other people trying to find what would make them better and either match that person or they find something else that makes them better. It's going to be interesting to see how the sport changes over the next couple of years, especially with this new aero package, I think. I don't think the fans will respond well to the drivers not being happy. I think they'll enjoy the pack racing, and they certainly like not seeing a guy pull ahead with a three-second lead because, statistically speaking, the odds are it's not their driver. And some fans will be very happy. I mean, if five years ago I saw Jeff Gordon with a five-second lead over the field, I would be through the roof. And if I saw Kyle Busch with a lead five seconds ahead of the rest of the field, I'd be saying, this is ridiculous. We can't allow this. Who wants to watch just one guy dominate? So some people have a few favorite drivers. Some people have no favorite driver, and they just cheer for everyone. They love the sport of racing. It all depends on the person. And with so many fans and so many different people all watching, it really is hard to make everyone happy. Racing seems to be a sport where... It works to go to the people, and the people don't work to go to it, if that makes sense. And to try and clarify my point there, you're either a fan, let's say football, you're either a fan of football or you're not. The rules aren't going to change to try and draw in 
more people per se because these are the rules of football. This is how it's been played for years, and this is how it will continue to be played, with the exception of certain rules like targeting and all the other things that are more safety-oriented now that we're understanding the severity of concussions, head injuries, and everything else. But until you know that point, the rules really don't change too much. A touchdown is six points, a PAT is one point, or you can go for two points. There's safeties and everything else. That's how you score, and may the better team win. Racing seems kind of different, where we change the car, we change the chassis, the engine, the rules, the tracks, everything. You're not playing on a cookie-cutter stadium like with baseball, where it's 90 feet from the plate to the base. You're racing on a track that might be a mile. It might be 1.058 miles, and that's slightly different. And you've got to change and get to that level. The track could have three degrees of banking. It could have eight. It could have 40. It's so different every single week. And in those six days leading up to the race, between each race, those guys don't have much time to prepare. And the fact that they can is pretty incredible. So I guess the point of it all is racing in itself as a sport is incredibly different than anything else. You won't have the cookie cutter stadiums you won't have you know not everybody has the same equipment there's certain standards that they're held to and have to meet certain guidelines there's a different front end depending on your manufacturer there's a different engine under under the hood depending on your manufacturer and depending on your team what they can find what they can afford everything is completely different starcom racing is not going to have a car that could compete with hendrick motorsports It's just not in the cards for them yet because there's such a difference in money. Hendrick Motorsports has bottomless pockets and Starcom really does not. And not that that's a dig on Starcom. They're a brand new team coming up. But it just goes to show. And it's it's I don't think it's really as much of a discrepancy among, you know, let's say football, where the it's not likely that the Titans or the Jets or somebody like that could beat the Patriots. But they could, and these upsets happen all the time. The day Starcom wins a race, unless, of course, it's a play track where it's more of an even playing field, the day Starcom wins a race like at Texas or Atlanta, Martinsville, New Hampshire, somewhere like that, it's going to be quite a shock if it happens anytime soon. And we've seen some of that before. Front Row Motorsports is a pretty underfunded team. They don't necessarily make the playoffs very often. But they won at Pocono a couple years ago on strategy. And that's a really a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence, it seems, where they get a win like that because they stayed out and they got lucky with the rain. It really goes to show how different racing is compared to other sports. And to tie it all back together, talking to Matt Weaver about it was very interesting because he seems to really understand that and understands that. And the question that he brought up was... What's the future of racing? Do we see ourselves as a sport or as a form of entertainment? Because if we're just a form of entertainment, everything should be scripted like the WWE and get the most out of it. But that's not what racing is. You know, someone in the WWE, they're a wrestler, but they're, they're an actor. It's scripted. Not to dig on them, but that's what it is. That's what professional wrestling is. If they wanted to legitimately fight other people, they'd go to boxing, MMA, or anything else. But the career they chose is in wrestling, and that's that's their sport. That's that's great for them. But 
with racing, that's not what it is. You don't climb in a go-kart at four and a half years old and race through go-karts to legends to super late or to late street stocks and late models, super late models and work your way up racing every weekend, tearing the car apart and putting it all back together while still going to school or to your nine to five job to race on Friday night. You don't do that because you want to grow up and put on a show and have a scripted events. You do that because you want to prove that you're the best or you're pretty close to it and that you can go up and compete at the top level. And that's why the drivers at the top do it. That's why Corey LaJoy does it. That's why William Byron does it. That's why anyone out there, Kevin Harvick, Clint Boyer, Eric Almarola, that's why they all go out and do it because they want to prove that they're the best. If you were to put all those guys in you know, everything the same, the same equipment, the same setup, the same engine, everything exactly the same. It's, a, it's like on iRacing, a fixed setup race. Everything is the same. And you go out, that is going to be some of the best racing you've ever seen because it eliminates the discrepancy between the high-budget teams and the low-budget teams, and it would be incredible to watch. It's going to be an interesting time in the next couple of years for this sport. I'm not quite sure where it's going to go, and I'm sure Matt Weaver will be on the show again to talk about where he sees it going. But who really knows? That's the question. It's, it's going to be great to see. I'm sure people are going to love watching it. But who knows? Now, also, this radio show isn't just about racing and the future of it and sports and other things. There's other parts of it as well. I, I realize it's labeled as the unofficial official NASCAR show of Purdue, but it's also you know hosted out of Purdue, so I feel like it's fair to talk about some things about the Boilermakers. The Purdue basketball team is doing well, I believe, off the top of my head. They're 6-3. and three. So, just had a big win against Maryland last night, and I'll hopefully have this podcast up soon enough that they haven't played Texas yet. And it's it's going well for them. The football team, they're going bowling down in uh, Nashville, Tennessee against Auburn. That's going to be interesting how Jeff Brom can uh, get that all sorted. It's going to be a tough game. I think after beating Ohio State, and Iowa and Boston College and other ranked teams, I think the spoiler makers might be out to play. I think they might be able to pull it off, but who knows? In other Purdue-related news, Grand Prix, for anyone that doesn't know, I run the Grand Prix team here in my dorm that I live in and broadcast out of Wiley. So that team, I, I like to always talk about that because it, it shows what goes on behind the scenes of a race team, and I never worked for one really I, I've worked for individuals who have no own race cars but never for a full team and here at Purdue I have the chance to run one of my own and it's it's very very interesting all the time because it taught me a whole lot in a short amount of time I had to learn and I had to learn very quickly and it makes you realize everything that does go into a race team on a smaller scale I mean I'm not comparing the amount of work I do to be anything close to Derek Cope managing Starcom or, you know, Rick Hendrick or anybody else that runs a team. But it's still quite a bit of work. And what goes into it, I never really thought about, you know, you not only have budget you have to worry about, you have to worry about team morale. You have to worry about the state of your equipment. And you have to realize every every decision that gets made, that's being made by a real person. Like, somebody has to sit down and make those hard decisions. 
one one story I'd like to go into is for the Grand Prix, for the Grand Prix team, excuse me, we run one race a year, and it's the Purdue Grand Prix, and it's a big race. 7,000 people usually show up, and we have to be ready to roll on that day and try to win. And so in preparation for that, there's a race at a track about an hour south of Purdue University called Whiteland. And typically, you know, some of the higher level teams that can afford to do it will go down and run and run some races down there. I think about four or five races typically. And I was faced with the decision of should we go run that race? We're on a very tight budget here in my dorm. And I'm, I'm very open about that, that this team is not well funded. I, I, I think of us as the star com racing of the Purdue Grand Prix. We don't have the nicest equipment or anything close to it, but we've got a lot that we can do to make it work. Last year, out of 55 teams, we ran 11th in, when we were in race trim and had all our, all our ducks in a row. And so it's not a matter of lack of funding. It's, it's a matter of maximizing what you can do with what you have. There's some teams that are spending $80,000 for one race, and that just blows my mind. Because we don't have anything close to a thousand dollars or eighty thousand dollars, excuse me. And you know, they, you know, the team that spends eighty thousand, they go and race Whiteland, absolutely. Because why wouldn't they? They've got plenty of money to afford it. You know, some of the more dominant teams can go and do it. And my team, uh, we talked about it and we said, let's go run it. We're going to go run Whiteland. It's going to be tight on the budget, but I told them. If you guys are willing to do it, I can I can make this work. I can make this work in the budget, and we can get it done. And that's when we sort of discovered the core group of the team thus far. And so we did it. We packed all our stuff up, and we got in contact with a, a friend of ours, Jimmy Simpson, who would meet us down there and help us out a ton, you know. Invaluable, the help he gives us. And so we packed up, and we went down to the track and we had just about everything that could go wrong go wrong and it all sort of came to a head when our clutch at 10,000 rpm blew and without a clutch you can't run so at that point we sort of packed up and we went home and the reason I'm, I'm going into this story is to to draw a comparison between, you know, this short track racing, not really short track racing, small level racing to what other teams are are focusing on. They have their own decisions to make. And I'm going to eventually draw this conclusion, you know, draw it in with the Tory Racing, who recently let Brett Moffitt go. Um, defending truck champion does not have a ride for next season because he doesn't have the sponsorship behind him. And it really all wraps around to money. So, and you'll never find a group more hardworking than Hattori Racing. There were some weekends that those guys thought they wouldn't make it to the track on a lack of funding, and their owner would fly from America to Japan for meetings to secure funding and then fly right back and have to get that truck ready to go on a hauler. So, with our team, we, uh, we lost our clutch. So, we, we regrouped. And we're at the point now where we're looking at, uh, you know, it's an uphill battle. And 
and it's it goes to show what these teams have to go through on on a regular basis. You know these, and I guess I could draw it to late model drivers on Friday night. Those guys are working nine to five jobs. I'm working as a student. You know, it, it takes up a lot of time being a student. And these guys in their nine to five jobs have to go home and get a car ready. I got to go to classes, come home and get a car ready. And it's 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 very interesting to see now as someone who runs a race team, as someone who is, you know, involved in the sport heavily through journal uh being a journalist, excuse me, and balancing it there. It's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out, you know. But for anyone that doesn't think that these guys are out there working their butts off, that the teams behind them aren't working hard, I I I strongly strongly highly encourage you to go to one of your local tracks. And I know for me, when I went to Safford Motor Speedway in Connecticut growing up, if you look behind the stands, you can see the garage area. And you would see people running around and always working on these cars. And I got the chance last summer to be in that garage area working on a car. And it's it's just like what you think. You know, these guys, are they work so hard, right? All the drivers and everything and the team owners and everything. And... So let's say eventually they do work their way up to the top and they are at the top level of racing. And at the end of it, they're just sitting, flooring it around the track. The amount of hours that goes in every day into racing for those guys is immeasurable. Every day, you don't get a sick day when you're driving or when you're working on a car because there's things that always have to be done. There's always more that can be done. You don't get really vacations or time off you've got things to do and it it always it always wraps back to the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes is unbelievable just like a football player or baseball player the time spent in the gym conditioning and everything else to to think that that all goes to waste because you're just sitting in your car flooring it around the track and your skill, you know, goes from maximizing the potential of a car to how well you can watch your mirrors and draft somebody else in front of you. It doesn't seem like racing. So I would worry that drivers would reach that point, say, well, if this is what I'm doing, then I'm not challenging myself. And as soon as I'm losing that passion to maximize the potential of the car and be the best and think to myself after getting out, there's nobody that could have driven that better than I just did. They probably don't want to continue. So I guess the point of this week's podcast, the first entry of me just talking instead of having a pre-recorded interview is with the future of the sport and this, this package coming up next year. I understand the work that goes behind it you know, goes into every single week. And I tried to draw that comparison with the team that I run here, where it's hard to find funding and it's it's a lot of work behind the scenes and not everything goes well. You know, there's a lot of times with my team where things just break and I, I sort of look at it and I go, the engine could have blown, you know, the muffler could have fallen off. And that's what I was focused on. But one tiny bolt, 
goes missing. And now the bottom of the car is scraping on the track and we can't race because of one bolt. Things like that. You know, it's a full summation of everything. And there's so much that can go wrong. And with that, the satisfaction you get when everything does go right and you have a really great day, that makes every single bad day, long hours in the shop, every single late night working on the car to make it better, that makes it worth it. So if we're putting these drivers, these top-level drivers, the best in the world at what they do, in a position where we're not even testing their skill beyond holding the gas pedal down, I don't think the fans are going to enjoy it because the drivers are certainly not going to enjoy it. And you have to have a balance where the fans and the drivers are happy. I hope this has, you know, gotten people thinking and will hopefully get on your mind that these are people behind these cars, behind the wheels of those cars. That's a real person who's been working their entire life to get to where they are. And if they don't feel challenged, I don't think they're going they're going to continue wanting to race. And if they don't want to race, then they've got more than enough money to retire. Some of the higher level guys, they've got more than enough money to retire at, at 25. So what's stopping them? And to lose these guys that we love to watch, Jimmy Johnson, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, all these guys that we love to watch and love to hate sometimes because they're doing so well and they're polarizing because they win. Um, To watch them leave would be the greatest tragedy to the sport. It really would be. And to make it more about entertainment than about skill or actual racing when so much gets put into these teams from low, you know, really carting the lowest level of racing like I work with to the highest level of racing like I hope to work with in the future. To go from skill to just an entertainment factor to draw in money like the WWE would be a tragedy. To everyone listening, this has been Bottled Up on Wiley Radio.